do you really want your superstar taking his lead and taking his most enjoyment out of Dwight Schrute? Sports Podcast. You know what that means. We're about to talk about some Wyoming sports, baby. I'm your host, David Graff. Alongside me is my co-host, Robert Munoz. Today, we've got a jam-packed episode for you. We're going to talk about the latest addition to the Wyoming men's basketball recruiting class, moving that class into the top 50 into the in the nation. Now number 47, still number one in the Mountain West, baby. Also going to talk about Tayshawn Gibson, a former poke, got cut last week by the Texans, and then he was picked up by the Chicago Bears. Maybe a little bit of an improvement for Mr. Gibson. Then we're joined by KOA radio host and Denver Broncos insider Benjamin Albright to talk about Denver Broncos draft and a little bit about the Denver Broncos offseason so far and what to expect from the offense and the defense next season. Now, I will admit from the top here, I kind of screwed up. I kind of screwed up. I didn't start recording immediately at the beginning of the interview. So you're going to get, you're going to join the interview in the middle when Robert's asking a question, a very good question. But we'll highlight what the questions were before that we had asked and give you kind of a summation of what Mr. Albright had told us. Then we'll end this podcast with a little bit of talk about baseball. I sure do miss baseball. There is a great piece written about Nolan Arenado on ESPN.com by Marley Rivera detailing his day-to-day, what it normally would be like during the season, and what it's like now during the quarantine, which was pretty interesting. Robert and I both dove in. I came away with a few nuggets, a few questions. I don't know. Maybe maybe a Nolan Arenado trade isn't the worst thing in the world. Robert, how's it going, though? Maybe a Nolan Arenado trade isn't the worst thing in the world. Why, why, why would you say that? I'll get into it more at the end of the podcast here, but it's, it's a fiery take. A fiery take. All right, all right. Anyways, uh, I'm doing great, David. Had a great single to mile. You know, I had some tacos. It was Taco Tuesday as well. Did you did you celebrate celebrate the Hispanic holiday a little bit, or I had a few margaritas myself. Not gonna lie, maybe uh, you know a quesadilla, a taco, nacho burrito. You know, throw them all in there. Just mix them into a pot. Which was your deal of choice for your margaritas there? As you know all too well, I'm a strict. Well, tequila on the rocks definitely always gets a weird look from the bartender. But when I go to the liquor store, I always get Cuervo. It's just, it's not very good, but it's also not very expensive. There you go. Price matters, huh? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, let's start here. Let's talk about Jeremiah Odin, the newest recruit for the Wyoming men's basketball team. He's a three-star prospect, originally out of Chicago. He did a prep year at Sunrise Christian in Kansas. Sunrise Christian, for Pokes fans, they might recall Alexander Akagorski, 
also went to high school there, came to Laramie from Sunrise Christian. So pretty good, pretty good history with some contributors, even if it's just the one guy. Sunrise Christian also, if you're an NBA fan, that's where Buddy Heald went to high school as well. Out of He went there after moving to the States from Jamaica and then going on to the University of Oklahoma and dazzling us with his ability to make long threes a la Trey Young, a la Jimmer Fredette. Now I guess we're calling it a Buddy. Well, I guess we're calling it Trey Young now. I'm pulling a Trey Young. But anyways, Jeremiah Oden. 6'8 guy. He can guard every position on the floor. He's pretty athletic from what I watched and from what I saw. I got some other thoughts, but first, Robert, what were your initial thoughts? He causes a mismatch issue on the floor. Uh, He's big. He can dribble. He's coordinated. He can get to the rim, shoot. The taller guys are going to have trouble guarding him when he's out there on the perimeter. So looks like he's going to bring a lot of versatility to the program here. Yeah, that's all very true. Wild Sports own and our guest from last week, Michael Katz, actually reported that Odin picked Wyoming over Cal. He also had some interest and some offers from schools all over the country, like DePaul, Minnesota, and even Mountain West foe New Mexico. To bump the class up six spots in the national rankings is a big deal. And really, he brings some much-needed size and the ability to rebound. In every single video that I watched, there were a few boards that he pulled down, which I'm not going to lie, I really enjoy when a guy throws in some board highlights in his highlight video. You know, that's a useful skill, and honestly, you got to be able to rebound if you're six foot eight. Absolutely, and we all know we talked about it before even on this podcast a couple of episodes back. Um, Pokes had trouble rebounding the last couple seasons, and but Alan Edwards didn't want to focus on rebounding. Either way, he's going to bring that rebounding. He's going to bring a lot of things to the team, it looks like. And What I like most is he didn't even – take a tour of the school, anything, and come to campus, and come to Laramie. It's pretty crazy that Linder's recruiting all these three-star athletes, these three-star recruits. He's bringing them in without them even visiting the town, the university. And it's just a dedication of these players. They love it. He loves doing it. And it's creating a great culture here. He did take a virtual tour of the University of Wyoming campus, which I don't know what all that entails. But he did say for Linder, Linder apparently only started recruiting him two weeks before his commitment. And he said one of the first things that Linder did with him was break down film on his game and tell him where he could improve and what he was doing well and took a real personable approach in order to get his attention and to bring him into Laramie. Yeah, he said he had never had a coach who hadn't coached him break down film and tell him what he was doing right and what he was doing wrong. Yeah, I mean, that shows the kind of coach and what Linder is willing to do for these kids to develop their games and to help them improve, as well as it paints a picture of 
bringing in kids that we haven't seen at Wyoming in a while come to Laramie and be on the basketball team and play well. So again, just another glimpse into Linder and how much excitement he is driving toward the University of Wyoming men's basketball program. Wouldn't you say, Robert? Yeah, David, I'm extremely excited. I know Poke Nation is excited. Everyone is excited. I'm excited for Michael Katz, Wild Sports. He's going to witness this change in the program. He's going to be able to write about it. He's going to be able to let the public know about it. He's letting the public know about the coaches, the players. He's giving everybody the insight and the change in the program. It's going to be amazing. I think the way the program is going to shift here, how much better they're going to be next season. Everyone's going to be surprised. The Mountain West is going to be surprised. Wyoming's going to make a lot of noise next season. Can't wait. I know I'm graduating from college here. I know I'm looking for another job. I may move eventually. But as I sit here and think about it, I'm like, dang, I want to go to the University of Wyoming basketball games next season again. That's high praise. I mean, it's been a long time since people wanted to go down to the AA and actually watch the basketball game. I know when I was in college, the only way I could get my girlfriend there was to tell her that the popcorn was fantastic. The play on the floor, not so much. That's all you guys got from the concessions was the popcorn, huh? Nothing else? Nothing else. Just popcorn. Just popcorn. It was. It comes in those giant bags, man. You can, like... Take it home, you know, eat a, have a whole movie night with the leftover popcorn. You need like a whole yeah, you, Wyoming family in order to eat one of those bags of popcorn. You go to the double A, grab a bag of popcorn, go home and watch some Pac twelve basketball late at night, wouldn't you? I'm not gonna lie, that happened a few times. That happened a few times. You gotta watch Arizona State, man. They're they were popping. Popping off. Coach Hurley had him rolling down there in Tempe. But back to Wyoming and Jeremiah Odin's play on the court. I talked a little bit about the fact that he showed off some rebounding in his highlights. I also noticed that he likes to get to the rim. He uses his size to get to the rim, which he can probably continue to do in the Mountain West. He's just got to put on a little bit of muscle and get a little bit stronger, but he's not he's not super quick, but he uses his size and his length to play defense well and to get to the rim. And the thing that surprised me the most, the little wrinkle to his game that I was very surprised by, and I also like to see, he had a little step-back three, a little dribble between the legs, step-back, pop a three. He actually shot 38% from three in his year at Sunrise Christian, which is a solid percentage from three. Now it's the high school three-point line. But still, it provides a lot of room for growth, and it means that he can pl- he can truly get to the rim and shoot from three. That's the ideal player in Jeff Linder's system and for college basketball overall. It's definitely going to be exciting to watch him play. Especially at that height, like I already mentioned, I already touched on. He's going to create mismatch problems. And like you said, perfect for Jeff Linder. He likes to shoot the three, defend the three. The game has changed, and Jeff Linder knows that. 
and that's why he's going to be successful. That's why the University of Wyoming brought him in, and we are very, very glad that they did. Still a lot of time left until basketball season starts, but we've touched on the NFL draft a lot the last few weeks. Now, the NFL offseason is back to its kind of low. The NFL schedule is supposed to be released on May 7th in the evening. That'll be the next milestone in terms of sports because there's not a whole lot. But for one Wyoming former Wyoming Cowboy, it was a whirlwind week last week. Tayshawn Gibson cut by the Texans. Texans head coach Bill O'Brien continues to just make so many puzzling moves. I have no idea what's going on there. All I know is that it was possibly a cap-related thing in order to create some money to sign some undrafted free agents and things like that. Anyways, it probably helped out Gibson because he surfaced and signed with the Chicago Bears, who have a very strong defense and an even better secondary. So he'll be a complementary piece in that secondary as opposed to the main guy like he was for the Texans. It's definitely a good fit for him and probably an even better fit for the Chicago Bears. Their defense just gets better. Maybe they can grab a few more interceptions from Kirk Cousins, Aaron Rodgers, and Matthew Stafford. Aaron Rodgers or Jordan Love? I'm just I'm just joking, David. I'm just joking. But, uh, yeah, it takes on Gibson. Texans are making strange moves, like you said. Your boy Bill O'Brien, I know you're a Texans fan, and for everyone out there who does not know, David is a Texans fan, sadly. Um, but we'll save that discussion for another time. Yeah, Gibson will go up north to Chicago, NFC North. He's going to be a great asset, like you said, to complement that secondary. <clears throat> Eddie Jackson up there. Um, he's going to replace HaHa Clinton Dix. Gibson, what, he started in each game he appeared in last season, 14 games. He would have appeared in 16 games, 17, including the playoffs, 18, I guess. But, because they did beat the Bills in that wild card game. But he had some injuries, limited him later in the season. But the prior, I think, three seasons before that, he started each game. Last season, what, he had three interceptions, 51 total tackles. He's always there when he was on the Jags the previous three seasons. He, like I just said, he started each game. He was making plays on the field. He's consistent. I mean, he was a valuable member, valuable member of the Texans' defense and especially their much maligned secondary. You touched on it. I am a Texans fan at heart. It's a whole therapy session, not just a discussion, talking about Bill O'Brien. He is most certainly not my boy. But we won't go down that entire rabbit hole. Tayshawn Gibson, though, he's he's going to be a good fit with the Bears, honestly. He's not a star player, but he is a good player, and he fits right in with the Chicago Bears and what they like to do on defense. Therapy sessions, I don't know, I might be able to help you pay for that up until Bill O'Brien gets booted out of the front office there. He's never leaving. He's taking this job with him to the grave is what I'm afraid of. 
Shaking your head in disgust. Just brutal. Anyways. Anyways. Well, we wish Gibson nothing but the best in Chicago. I'm really sad to see him leave the Texans. But let's move on. We had an interview with Broncos insider and KOA radio host. He hosts Broncos Country Tonight down in Denver, Benjamin Albright. We talked to him a little bit earlier today. I apologize. I made the mistake. I didn't record the first few minutes of the interview. And Benjamin is a great guy. I certainly could have asked him, can we go back and start the interview over? But I just bit my tongue. So you're going to jump in to the middle, basically the middle of our interview. You're going to hear Robert ask a question a very good question that even Benjamin was surprised by and was like, hey, I like that question. But you only missed a super awkward introduction by myself. And then I asked him about the Broncos selecting a wide receiver in the first round. And specifically when it came down to Jerry Judy versus CeeDee Lamb, why Jerry Judy first, when it came to the wide receiver, he said absolutely 100%. There was no way they weren't going to take a wide receiver in the first round. He almost laughed at the thought like that they might not take a receiver at 15. They, He said now they might have gone with an offensive tackle, had all three of Ruggs, Judy, and C.D. Lamb been taken before them, but he, he doesn't he doesn't think that would have happened. Also, I asked him why why Judy over Lamb, and he said it was kind of a surprise that the Raiders took Rugs before anybody took another wide receiver. He was definitely surprised that Rugs was the first receiver off the board. He said that the Broncos thought they would be choosing between Rugs and Lamb, but instead Jerry Judy was very high on their board, and he was their number one receiver. So they were overjoyed to take him. C.D. Lamb particularly, his highlights are fantastic. The one-handed catches, the long touchdowns, all of that. Very exciting. But he said that he felt, watching the tape, and the Broncos probably felt the same way, that Oklahoma had schemed C.D. Lamb to get open and to make these kinds of plays. Whereas Jerry Judy at Alabama played in a little bit more of a pro-style offense, and he he got himself open. He made plays. He was out there doing things with the football. Am I missing anything, Robert? Just like Albright confirmed for us, Jerry Judy was always the pick. If he was there, if he was available, and the Broncos uh, made that decision, they picked him because he was there and he was available. Yep. Pretty much the nail on the head, simple, short, and sweet, unlike me. Uh, But enjoy this interview with Benjamin Albright. We really appreciate his time and for coming on with us. Pretty simple question here, but which selection in the draft was your favorite selection that the Broncos had made? Man, that's a good one. I, you know, the KJ Hamler selection, going out and getting that speed, being bold and doing that, I thought it was a good move. Um, the Lloyd Cushenberry move is probably my absolute favorite simply because it, it, it plugged the need and you managed to get that in the third round. Um, 
maybe Albert O. Um, you know, I, one of those three would have to be it. I hadn't put a lot of thought into that, but uh, Cushenberry or Albert O is probably the answer for me. I, I think Cushenberry is probably the, the logical answer. So the combined experience between those 11 starters on the Broncos offense is only 2.1 years. How do you think that inexperience and that youth will kind of limit the offense's potential? Well, I, I think it's going to take them a little while to gel. Uh, I certainly hope, you know, hot take radio guy doesn't come out and, you know, after four games, if they're not scoring 30 points a game, you know, start blowing towards the offense. Uh, it, it's going to take a little while for them to, for it to develop. But, you know, the, the groundwork has been laid. I think part of the reason that the Broncos were so eager to get Pat Shermer and Mike Shuley in is because they have so much experience between the two of them versus Rich Gangarello and T.C. McCartney, which you'd be bringing along a young offense with a coordinator and quarterback's coach that had almost no experience as well. So, you know, I, I think that uh, I think having Pat Shermer and Mike Shuley there is really going to be the kind of the difference maker when it comes to that. How do you think a young group of guys is able to develop that chemistry, especially given, you know, what's happening in the world right now? Well, I think that, you know, it'll be easier. Um, if you had guys of different ages, it might be tougher for them to relate to each other and take longer for them to kind of come together. If you get guys of the same age, you know, theoretically, y'all are going to be more or less on the same page. Um, you know, I, I think that could be, I don't think that's going to be too much of a detriment. Uh, you know, there's going to be a lot of relatability. Uh, as far as that kind of stuff goes. And I think, you know, Drew Locke's ever been around him. You know, he's got such a high wattage personality. That, yeah, he just makes things fun and funny. And, and I think that that, that kind of helps. Um, you know, we were talking about this uh, on the show yesterday and you know, saying that uh, the one thing I worry about is, you know, Drew Locke's personality is fun and funny and all that is, is how he reacts to maybe like a three-game skid. You know, that kind of stuff happens time to time for whatever reason. And, you know, if that if that wears off as a shtick or if, you know, that helps guys kind of collate together. Um, so that's, that's what I'll be keeping an eye on as far as that goes. Obviously the Broncos are trying to add and build an offense that can compete with the chiefs. Do you think they've taken enough steps in the right direction to do that? Uh, I guess it depends on how you look at it. If you look at it as uh, the Broncos are trying to put together an offense that can score points, then I think, yes, they did. Uh, if you're looking to keep up point for point with the Chiefs, I think that's a fool there. And you don't have Pat Holmes, you don't have Tyree Kill, and you don't have Andy Reid. Um, so, you know, I think you want to be the Denver Broncos and the best Denver Broncos you can be. And so I think if you're a team that can score, uh, instead of looking at 17 to 20 points a game, if you're looking at, you know, 24 to 28 points a game, uh, and, you know, you're fielding a defense that plays as well as their defense did, uh, then I think you have a legitimate chance against teams like Kansas City. But if you're just going to try to boat race Kansas City, that's that's a losing proposition to begin with. Yeah, it's true. Not many teams can keep up with the Chiefs. One one area of the team that we're not talking a whole lot about is the defense. Do you think that they can keep up with the production they've had, you know, the past few years stopping teams and being a dominant unit? I think so. I think the defense made a philosophical transition last year. Uh, you know, Wade Phillips and, and Vance Joseph's philosophies to send everything they can at the quarterback, put their guys on an island and hope uh, that they can cover before, uh, until the, the pass rush gets there. You know, Vic Fangio has almost a polar opposite philosophy. Philosophically, he wants to send the least amount of people that he can send at the quarterback and still get pressure and drop everybody else back in his zone and play for the turnover. 
And so, you know, I think the defense had to make a bit of an adjustment. They struggled through the first, you know, kind of four or five weeks. Now that they were giving up a whole bunch of points, but they struggled to generate sacks and turnovers. And, you know, then that stuff started happening shortly thereafter. I think that they, they finally started to get it. Uh, you, you can tell by the guys that they've sort of added, you know, the secondary this year that they're looking for more ball hawk types. Um, you know, Ojemudie is kind of that type. Uh, the undrafted guy, Douglas Coleman, they brought in at Texas Tech is definitely that guy. Uh, Passy, another undrafted guy, is he's definitely that guy. So, you know, I, I think that's what you're going to see. I think you're going to see a defense that plays more bends, don't break, and, and plays for the turnover than they used to. And turnovers give offenses extra possessions, and extra possessions to lead to extra points. So, um, you know, I think that's the direction they want to go going forward. Another draft question here. Um, the third round seemed to be big for the Broncos. How big do you think that third round and those three selections were? And how much of an impact do you think those players really will have? Um, you know, I think that I, I don't know about the immediate impact. Lloyd Christianberry is going to be probably the most immediate impact out of all of them, simply by virtue of the fact that, that you know, his competition is Schlotman and Morris, and he's probably going to win that job. Um, as far as the other two goes, Ojemudia is probably going to play more of the Will Parks role uh, early. Uh, and then, you know, I talked to Coach Ferentz a couple of days ago, and, you know, he was talking about how they wanted to convert him to safety, but they felt like he was too valuable a corner to do that at, at Iowa. I, I think the Broncos' plan might be to convert him to safety. Really, after after Justin Kareem, the only guy that has Trey Marshall, he wasn't all that great. So, you know, I, I think that Ojemudia will play a hybrid role early and then morph into maybe an eventual successor to Kareem Jackson which I think would be ideal. Uh, and then McDonald Majim uh, is interesting. Um, very athletic for a guy his size. Um, and he, he's built thick, but he doesn't always use his strength. He doesn't always leverage his lower half. Uh, you, you get that coached up. You get him, you know, coached up on his anchor. And, man, that, that dude could be something special. So, you know, I like that pick. It's a high upside pick. But in terms of overall immediate impact, I think Cushberry kind of takes the cake and the other two are kind of we'll see. You just talked there about the third round guys that could be impactful this next season. The Broncos have made a lot of moves this offseason that have generated headlines, bringing in Melvin Gordon, A.J. Boye, drafting Jerry Judy in the first round, and speedster K.J. Hamler in the second round. What guy who's not getting a whole lot of press, pub, would you say has you the most excited and do you think could be the most impactful next season? Uh, in terms of free agent and draft moves, I'd say Graham Glasgow. You know, I mean, he was a high dollar move. He's going to replace Ron Leary, and you know, everybody likes to talk about Garrett Bowles and the penalties, but Ron Leary was really the biggest liability last year, uh, as much as people don't want to admit it. Uh, and, you know, and his versatility along the interior line, I think that you know that gives him some options. Uh, in terms of the most unheralded pick that I think could, you know, the Broncos have a pretty rich tradition of uh, an undrafted free agent making the team every year. I, I, that Douglas Coleman kid out of Texas Tech looks like the guy. That guy's an absolute ball hawk. Uh, we sat down with him for a little bit on the show and, and, and talked to him, had him break down some plays, and that kid just gets it. Um, and, you know, I, if, I were, if I were putting money down, he'd be the guy that I, I put money down on making this team and, you know, maybe making an impact in terms of generating turnovers. We have all kinds of Broncos fans here in Wyoming, but recent that the entire state has kind of joined Bills Mafia because of Josh Allen. Tom Brady's gone. We all know that. Are the Bills going to finally win the AFC East next year? What do you think about that? I think on paper they're in the driver's seat. You know, I, I said before last season that if they get, uh, you know, decent quarterback play, they, they would be in contention for the division. Uh, Josh has got to become more consistent. He's shown flashes here and there. Certainly he's a great athlete, but he's got to show more consistency as a passer, specifically in the intermediate game. 
Um, you know, if he's able to do that, then they're a, they're a championship contender. I mean, that team is stacked. Um, but, you know, it really hinges on Josh. Uh, it hinges on his ability to kind of rein himself in at times. And, you know, we saw uh, in the Broncos game, as a matter of fact, you know, it was one of those mistakes that he just makes. You, know, that you just, you know, you're kind of slapping your head. Like, where did that come from when he lollipopped one out there to Justin Simmons and it was not a receiver at sight? So, um, you know, I, I think that if Josh can kind of rein himself in and play within himself and then worry about the home run or the YOLO ball, you know, when the play breaks down, uh, you know, I think he'll be that much better. I think the Bills are a championship contender. We'll go ahead and wrap it up there. Uh, Benjamin, thank you very much for joining us. It's much appreciated. Oh, absolutely. Anytime, guys. Really appreciate Benjamin for joining us. Catch him on Broncos Country tonight down there in Denver on KOA Radio. I occasionally find myself tuning in. Benjamin is very smart. He's also a great follow on Twitter. At Albright NFL is his Twitter name if you want to check him out there and follow him there. He's pretty linked in and tuned in on all of the NFL, but especially the Denver Broncos stuff. So we really appreciate him joining us. He'll probably be on the podcast again here in the near future. He's a really good guy. Always has time. Moving on, though, let's talk about something that we haven't talked a whole lot about on this podcast. Isn't really known as the biggest sport in the state of Wyoming, but baseball. It's the sport of the summer. It's America's pastime, and it's missing. It's missing from our lives right now. It's tough. It's really brutal. I've gone over it on many of these other podcasts here. I just really miss no score first inning. It's not going to be the same. I'm not staying up late at night to watch KBO, Korean baseball. It's just, I can't do it. So I'm trying, to fi- I'm trying to fill my baseball void in my life by reading as many baseball books, baseball articles, talking to former baseball players. I've been working on a different podcast series that maybe I'll tell you about when it gets closer. And, you know... There's a great piece by Marley Rivera of ESPN.com detailing Nolan Arenado's day-to-day life, what it was like during the season, and what it is like now, now that there isn't really a season, the season is kind of in flux. There is potentially some good news. Trevor Plouffe from John Boy Media, and he's also a former Major League Baseball outfielder, he's been hinting at a return to MLB action by June 10th, which would be very exciting and certainly welcomed. I'm just not sure, like, how this abbreviated season is going to play out, how, like, something that was going on, the big storyline all offseason surrounding the Rockies was, are they going to trade Nolan Arenado? Should they trade Nolan Arenado? Will they trade Nolan Arenado? When is the trade for Nolan Arenado going to happen? I don't know how you can trade guys now, given self-quarantine and things like that. So who knows? So maybe we might get treated to a full season of Nolan Arenado in purple. I'm just rambling here. I just miss baseball that much. I wonder, I'm also wondering to myself, Robert, do you have any thoughts about the absence of baseball in your summer life? I guess it's kind of 
peaking towards summer here in the Mountain West? Well, when was opening weekend? About a month ago? Opening day should have been March 26th, so almost five, over five weeks ago. Over five weeks ago, yeah, opening day. Uh, I don't know, I'm kind of thinking that they're going to bring it back July 4th weekend. Baseball is back. I think that's the move they're going to make. I don't know how they're going to make it, what the restrictions, what the requirements are going to be, whatever, but that's kind of my take on that. Um, like you said, it's missing. It's great to be able to watch live sports during the day. If you're at home not doing much during a weekday, you know, it's not a Sunday where you're watching the NFL or the NBA, but it's a Wednesday afternoon and you're home and the Cubs are playing the Cardinals on ESPN and you can throw it on and watch it. You know what I mean? I know exactly what you mean, and it's a great way to kill a Wednesday evening, but sadly that is missing from our lives. Maybe it'll be back soon. If the Rockies and Major League Baseball do return soon, I'm not sure that we can really expect a whole lot from the Rockies this season. What would you say? Well, we all know what the situation on the mound is looking like. Um... The offense is still there. The offense, to me, is probably the most exciting part because you always hear that the Colorado Rockies can only hit because they play in Coors Field, they play in Denver. It's a mile above sea level, ball source. So if the season were to be played in, like, you know, the pods that has been discussed in, like, Arizona, Florida, Texas, wherever – it would be pretty interesting to see how good the Rockies' offense actually is at a quote-unquote level playing field. That is an interesting point you make there. Yeah, I'd be anxious to see what goes on if the Rockies are playing down there at sea level. Um, they don't struggle too much when they do go, say, San Francisco, San Diego. They still have success hitting the ball. I think it's overblown. I think the whole offense is overblown. It would also provide these guys with the necessary chip on their shoulder in order to, you know, prove something, especially these offensive guys like Trevor Story, Charlie Blackman, Nolan Arenado, who have made all-star teams the last few years and are considered some of the best in the game at their respective positions. It just bodes well for Rockies fans because I don't see how in the middle of all of what's happening in the world, how do you have the cojones to swing a trade for Nolan Arenado? Now, I understand where other teams might, but if you're the Rockies, do you really want to tank any sort of goodwill that you've built up with the fans by trading your best player by far, both offensively and defensively? No offense to Trevor Story, but Nolan Arenado is in his own stratosphere. Absolutely, and Trevor Story, I think, is the most underrated shortstop in Major League Baseball. But kind of, yeah, no one, why would, I don't know, who knows what people do. Why did Bill O'Brien trade DeAndre Hopkins? Why, why, why do these front offices do what they do? We don't know. We're not in their positions. We're not getting paid the money they do to make those decisions. So 
I mean, I'm not one to really say I know better. But, yeah, why would you trade your absolute best player, like you said, offense and defensively? I don't know. I'm just saying. We can talk ad nauseum about the C-level thing and trading Nolan Arenado and how that is or isn't smart. I was joking earlier. I had three takeaways from this piece on ESPN.com about Marley by Marley Rivera on Nolan Arenado and his day-to-day as told to her. First thing, and this is what I was like, okay, maybe, maybe, you know, you just get rid of him. You know, salary dump, take back a few pitching prospects, not the end of the world. His favorite character on The Office is Dwight Schrute, which, do you really want your superstar taking his lead and taking his most enjoyment out of Dwight Schrute? Controversial character on The Office. I don't know. Do you watch The Office, Robert? Never been a big Office guy, David. Never liked The Office too much. I mean, I don't know. I guess I never really gotten into it. Dwight Schrute is one of the most bizarre individual human beings mankind has ever created. I'm not sure there's an, a real human being that exists like Dwight Schrute. And if there is, I would be very unpleased to meet them. So I that that drew, you know, maybe that, that put some... Uh, signals out there that maybe the Rockies should start putting out some feelers, see if they can't get rid of him. I'm just kidding, but am I, though? That was your ultimate reason right there. I know we, I talked, I asked you at the top of the podcast, huh? That's why you think Arnold should be traded, huh? It's a good enough reason for me, but I'm not running a multi- million dollar franchise multi-billion I guess with multi-millionaires it's not my job and I don't think that I should run my job like Bill O'Brien does where he has personal beefs with players and then gets rid of them other takeaways from the piece was well first of all Nolan Arenado misses baseball if not as much or more then I miss baseball, which is a good thing, I guess, because he is a superstar player. It shows that he really loves the game. It was pretty sad, huh? The piece? It made me misty. It made me misty. And not like yeah, Canadian I was, misty. I thought I was going to shed a couple tears there a couple times. Other two things. The game that he says he plays, Gold Glovers, where like he acts like there's a gold glove caliber player at every position while he's hitting. That is hilarious to me. And I can totally see. He said when they take batting practice that he and Charlie Blackman are in the first group together. And sometimes David Dahl is. And when David Dahl is in that first group, they get really competitive and they start to play gold glovers. And I just wish I could like be standing around the cage there pregame watching these guys and absorbing that game them playing gold glovers in batting practice that would just be an absolute thrill to watch so if you ever get the chance to do that you should 
and you should tell me how it was and maybe take a few videos, you know, just clog up your Instagram story with Nolan Arenado, Charlie Blackman, and David Dahl playing gold glovers. Also, Marley Rivera says that he's been hanging out with, I can't remember a few who the guys are. They've been, you know, practicing, throwing, taking batting practice. But one of them was Trace Thompson, but it didn't elaborate whether it's the same Trace Thompson as Clay Thompson's little brother. So, like, I want to know if Nolan Arenado is, like, homies with Clay Thompson because then that might redeem himself for liking Dwight Schrute and therefore he should be protected at all costs. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And it was the Trace Thompson. So we can make a strong prediction that Nolan Arenado and Clay Thompson may hang out sometimes and drink a couple Miller Lights like Jordan. (laughs) Very funny. Very funny. He did talk about all – he broke down that smoothie that he really likes, and I thought that was pretty funny. He's like, I'm only going here every single day because I love the smoothies. And I don't want this place to go out of business because I love the smoothies so much. So Nolan Arenado is supporting his local businesses in Southern California. Absolutely. And he's getting through the quarantine just like you and I, David, without baseball, without sports. Yep. We're all just trying to make it through this quarantine. And we hope this podcast has helped your day get a little bit brighter in quarantine. Really appreciate Benjamin Albright for coming on and for joining us. And I'm sorry that we that you guys missed the first few minutes of our interview with Benjamin there. <laughs> I will That's do David's better. Fault. I will do better. It's all my fault. I will take all of the blame. Shoulder the blame. You can complain to me at Mr. David Graff on Twitter. You can tell Robert how unfortunate he is to have me as a podcast co-host at R-M-U-N-O-Z. 307, R. Munoz 307 on Twitter. Shout out to our angel investor who made it possible for Robert to sound slightly better today. Robert got his first microphone, so we're doing the podcast. We both now have microphones. Robert, will we'll invest in an even better microphone for him here soon. Just waiting for the particular mic to get back in stock. Don't worry. Yeah, David, uh, no big deal in the interview there. We know you're a great producer here. Uh, And, yep, shout out to the Angel Investor for the contribution to the podcast and the donation for the mic for myself. Huge, grateful, and sounds a lot better, doesn't it, David? You do sound better. It's nice to finally hear you. I'm just playing. I'm just playing, man. Yeah, you can donate to the podcast, support it in the link in the description. Shout out to Shakewell for the music. Thank you guys for listening. Please continue to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast wherever you're enjoying the podcast. We'll talk to you next week. Who you want to impress now, baby? I see you think you've got moves so smooth. What you do tonight? How would it take you past this test? So you better forget everything you know. It's I get. Lessons will be short on quality.
gonna be a prodigy You think that you can question my lesson And I like that kind of aggression Baby So take some notes and take some time Or more to sign And shout out any suggestions Baby 